Amen. Isaiah 53, I believe, is one of the clearest Old Testament passages about Jesus Christ. And we're going to go through there, uh, those verses here in a little bit. But that passage right there, clearly prophetic, talking about Jesus. And I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 8 and verse 32 before we go back to Isaiah 53. Because this is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch who gets saved. And it's interesting because when Philip comes up to this Ethiopian eunuch, he is reading this very passage of Scripture right here. It says in Acts 8.32, it says, The place of the Scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who should declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth. And when you read that story... You know, the eunuch, he asked Philip, he's like, you know, who's this man writing of? Is he writing of himself or is he writing about somebody else? And Philip went and he took that very scripture and he preached unto him Jesus. Because Isaiah 53, it is all about Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about that. And you'll notice there in Acts, it mentions in his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. What I want to preach about this morning is the humiliation of Christ. I don't think it is possible for us to fully comprehend the humiliation that Jesus Christ went through, not just at the cross, but the humiliation of even coming to this earth and being a man, living the life that He did, the the teaching of the humiliation of Christ, I think is a very important thing that I want to try to do today. I could never do this subject, uh, you know, true service, like it needs to be done. But I want to do my best today in trying to teach y'all about the humiliation of Jesus Christ because it is very important that we understand this. And I'm afraid it's very clear and it's very obvious that many Christians today know nothing about this subject and it is very clear in the way that they live their lives and in the way they respond to Christianity. And I want to share some of this with you. So how can we get a glimpse of what it was like for Jesus Christ to do what He did. Because obviously we can never fully understand it. We can never fully comprehend what it's like for God to become man. We can never never fully understand what it was like to take the step down that He did. But I do think we can at least look at the Scriptures and we can hope that God will show us some things. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah quite a bit. But let's look at verse 2 of Isaiah 53. It says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Right here it's teaching that Jesus Christ, there is going to be nothing about him physically that would draw us to him. That physically, there was nothing that would... You know, that would, he wouldn't even turn heads. There's nothing about him that would cause him to be noticed. He's somebody that would just completely blend in with the crowd. We see that that's one of the reasons Judas had to identify Jesus Christ for the Roman soldiers. He didn't stick out like a sore thumb. There wasn't anything physically about him that was impressive. That's, and think about that compared to how he appeared in uh, Revelation when John saw him. With eyes of fire, you know, with the you know the shining countenance like we see in the Mount of Transfiguration. When he was on this earth, there was nothing physically that was impressive 
about him. And so when we think about what he came from to what he came to, I think that can give us a little idea. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You know where God dwells? You know where Jesus Christ came from? He came from eternity. Well, where's that at? Have you ever looked out in space and you wondered, you know, where is, where's heaven? Well, you know what? It's past space. It's past the heavens. God dwells in eternity. Okay? He was already there in eternity before this universe even existed. God spoke everything that we can see into existence. Jesus Christ did that. Without Him, talking about Jesus Christ was not anything made that was made. Where does He inhabit? It's no place that we could ever get to. Not on our own. Not physically. He inhabits eternity. That's where He came from. And He came to His creation. That's where He left and where He came from. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 6 in verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain He covered His face, with twain He covered His feet, and with twain He did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of them that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When God was in heaven, Isaiah, who got a little glimpse of Him, he just fell at His feet in humiliation. He was ashamed of himself just at being in the presence of God. He was ashamed of himself. And we see that Jesus Christ left that. He left the place where these seraphims, these majestic creatures, are there proclaiming holy, holy, holy. He comes from that to an earth where nobody's paying attention to Him. To an earth where nobody notices Him. To a place where He's so insignificant that He is born in a manger. That's where He came from. And this is what, and this is what He came to. Look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 99, verse 1. It says, The Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and He is high above all the people. Let them praise Thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. The King's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at His footstool, for He is holy. I love that passage right there. I mean, let the earth be moved. We all ought to be shaking and trembling in fear at the sight of God. But you know what? When Jesus Christ came to this earth as man, nobody did that. They didn't even pay attention to Him. He was despised and rejected of men. If people would have been seeing Jesus Christ in His full glory, they, they couldn't have handled it. They couldn't have even handled that. But He did. He lowered Himself. He made Himself of no reputation. He took upon Himself the form of a servant. And right here in Psalms, it's telling us to worship at His footstool. Well, what does that mean to worship at His footstool? Well, it says in Isaiah 66, 1, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my, my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is my place of rest? We see that the earth is His footstool. I find that interesting. Because you know what? 
There's, there are many places on this planet that we are in awe of. There's beautiful places that people go to just to admire the beauty of this planet. You know, I've been to, I've been to places like Niagara Falls. That's a beautiful place. I've been to places like, you know, Mount Rainier out in uh, Washington State. And I've been to the Rocky Mountains. And I've been to some very beautiful, magnificent places that you look at it and you just are amazed by the Creator. But you know what God says about this earth? It's my footstool. You know, this earth is nothing to God. It's nothing. But you know what? Jesus left heaven to come dwell in His footstool. This place where we worship. That's what He left. That's what He lowered Himself to. And what we need to think about, you know, his, we need to compare His position in heaven to His position on earth. In heaven, He's surrounded by the seraphim saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. He sits between the cherubims. I mean, you know, just the, the, at the voice of those singing His praise, I mean, it's shaking the post. The house is filled with smoke. And then he just he comes to this earth and he's just completely unnoticed. He comes to this earth. I mean, nobody thinks a thing about him. We, we, need, we need to think about that. We need to look at how he was treated in heaven versus how he was treated on this earth. Look at what it says in verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 53. It says, so we read all those verses about how he's to be praised and lifted up and all these things. But in verse 4, it says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But will we appreciate it? When He came and He was on the cross, bearing our sins upon Himself, did people appreciate it? No, it says, Yet we did esteem Him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. We see that Jesus Christ, He left heaven to come to this earth to pay for our sins. To suffer a horrible death and to die in our place. And we see the way He got treated on this earth. We see, instead of being praised like the Bible teaches in Psalms, we see Him, what do they do? They give Him a crown of thorns. They smite Him on the head with a reed. He's beat with a whip. They put a purple robe on him just so they can mock him. He's being spit on. How humiliating is that to be spit on? And he, all these things are taking place on him. He, they're saying, hail king of the Jews, but only in mockery. He left heaven to come for that. And listen, he knew he was going to get that. He knew what he was in for when he left heaven. He went from being, from being worshipped to being the one serving in the lowest way possible. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Or, um, yeah, Hebrews chapter 1. Look what it says. It says, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power when He had Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels <clears throat> as He hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto the, which of the angels said He at any time, Thou art My Son, this day have I begotten Thee? 
And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. We see that Jesus Christ, he made himself lower than the angels. Yet he's the one that the angels worshipped. And he went and he lowered himself. And when he came to this earth, he went from being ministered to by the angels to now he's working a physical job. He's a carpenter. That was, that's hard work. Today that's hard work. Imagine how hard of work it was back then. He went and for 30 years, he's living a normal life. Nobody pays any attention to him. Nobody's given him any special treatment, even though he's perfect. He, you would think people would have, in his own city would have noticed, hey, there's something very different about this individual. He doesn't sin. We've never seen him do anything bad. But you know what? When Jesus went to Nazareth and preached in his own hometown, people didn't believe him there. Hey, is not this the carpenter's son? He's a nobody. He's the carpenter's son. He's not the son of a king. He's not the son of nobility. Little did they know he was the very son of God. And they did. They didn't listen to him. They reject him. And he did. Here he is working as a carpenter. And let's think about that for a minute. Imagine, okay, you know, can you imagine seeing you know, Donald Trump out doing, you know, some menial task? Now, I can see him doing it for a photo op, you know, when he's running for re-election or something like that. But, you know, we don't expect to see certain people doing certain things. We don't expect to see, you know, the President of the United States, you know, scrubbing toilets in the White House, you know, trying to cut costs and, you know, save, you know, labor. You know, we don't, we don't see that. There's just some things you don't see them doing. There's some things you wouldn't expect a king or a queen to do. We wouldn't expect to see a picture of Queen Elizabeth, you know, mopping the floor in her castle. You know, there's just some things... You don't expect to see certain people do. Or if we did, we would feel sorry for them. I remember listening on the radio one time about a guy who saw one of the bears from the 1985 bears working in a McDonald's. And he felt sorry for him. And he recognized who he was and he started talking to him. And it turned out, you know, he didn't, he wasn't struggling that bad. It turned out he was wanting to open franchises and they make you do all the jobs before you can open a store. So that was why he was he owned McDonald's, but the guy felt sorry for him because oh man, he went from you know making all the big bucks being a football player to flipping burgers at McDonald's. Okay? And we would we would feel sorry for somebody like that if we saw them who was once rich, who had, had everything going for them, doing some menial task that nobody wants to do. But think about the fact that the creator of the universe left heaven to come live a very humble life on this earth. You and I can't picture that. None of us have ever taken a step down like that. We're not capable of taking a step down like that. You know, some of us, we feel like we've taken a step down just because we have to do a physical job. Some of us, we feel like we're victims because we're not making six figures. You know, but here's the thing. I never was. Okay? I never was making the big bucks. I never did have all the riches. I never did have all the servants and everything being handed to me. The closest thing I ever had to that was when I was a baby and mom did everything for me. Alright? I never had those things. Yet Jesus did have those things and he left it so he can come and live a very humble life. 
that ought to cause us to have a little bit of appreciation right there. That ought to cause us to be able to humble ourselves a little bit. He walked, Jesus walked from place to place when He was on this earth. He didn't have a place to lay His head, He mentioned the one time. We see Jesus even washing the disciples' feet. Jesus did that. And He didn't do it just for a photo op. He was doing this, trying to show, you know, we've all seen the politicians helping in the soup kitchens, you know. We, we've all seen that. Is anybody impressed by that when you see that? I'm not, alright? You know, we all know they're doing it for the cameras. Jesus did these things because He was, this is what was necessary. He needed to live that life as a man. That would be humiliating for God to come and live like a man. After living a life with no special treatment, he ended up being stripped of his garments, beaten, mocked, and crucified. Look at what it says. Let's look at Mark chapter 15, verse 27. You know, even when he comes to die for the sins of the world, you know, what, what do they do? You know, he, they don't kill him in this glorious fashion. What do they do? They crucify him in between two thieves, between two other criminals, just like it said was going to happen in Isaiah 53. Look what it says in. Verse 27 says, And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand, the other on the left. And the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors, as in Isaiah. We read that. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests, mocking it, said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others. Himself, He cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with Him reviled Him. Now, I'm sorry. If that was me on the cross, I'd have come down off the cross and I would have finished those guys. I would have went and I would have just... I'd have just given them a dirty look and made them poof into smoke. And I'd say, anybody else have anything to say? And then I'd go finish the job. I, I, I wouldn't even finish the job. I'd say, you know what? Y'all aren't worth saving. That's what I would have done. But Jesus Christ, the God of heaven, left earth to come. And notice too, think about this, alright? Sometime when you're going back and you're reading in the Old Testament, you're re, uh, re, uh, reading about the Levitical law and all those things the priests had to do. The priests and the Levites, I mean, they were the ones that headed up the worship of God. The priests were the ones that did that. They headed up the worship and the praise of God. And here it mentions the priests are the ones leading the reviling against God. They are the ones mocking Him. He went, hey, you guys, I was the one you guys were serving in the wilderness. I was the one you were offering the sacrifices to. Everything that you guys have all been about, it has all been about me and you all are going to mock me, you are my priest. You should be serving me. But no, they're mocking Him. Think about how humiliating that is. You know, that's why it's so humiliating. We see in the Bible too, where it talks about, you know, if a child smites his father or mother, they were to be put to death. Why is that? Because, you know what, first of all, one of the Ten Commandments is honor thy father and thy mother. And two, any child who would smite their mother or father, the people who gave them life, the people who did everything for them, any child that would do that, all right? And it's not talking about these little kids. You know, you know, little kids do that stuff. 
But you know, when you have, if you have a teenager or something that would do that to their parents, you know what? They ought to be put to death. That's wicked. That is a wicked, wicked individual right there. For you to go and smite the one that did everything for you, yet here we see these people smite, you know, mocking God, smiting God. How humiliating. And it's humiliating for a parent. Because you know what? As a parent, you love that child. You care deeply for that child. You think about all you've done for them and for them to treat you like that, that's humiliating. It's way, it would be way worse. I don't want to get punched in the nose by anybody. But you know what would be ten times worse if it was one of my boys that did it to me than a stranger, than if it was somebody else? It would be, be ten times worse. It would be even more humiliating. If somebody went and I'm out in public and some stranger just goes and slaps me across the face, that's humiliating. But you know, it would be way more humiliating if one of my children did it. Way more. And here we see the very priest of God mocking him. The, we, we cannot comprehend that humiliation that Jesus Christ went through. We can't. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't have put up with it, and none of us would have put up with it, but you know what? Thank God Jesus did put up with it. I'm very thankful He did put up with it. So the priests, they were the ones who God had commanded, you're to teach My people the difference between the holy and profane. You're to cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. Yet here they are, they're leading this whole thing. They're leading this. They were the ones who did all the sacrifices that clearly pointed to the cross. And yet they missed it. They missed it. How humiliating that must have been. So we also we need to compare who he was, who Jesus was, compared to who he came to save. Look what it says back in Isaiah 53 in verse 6. We need to compare who he was compared to who he came to save. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray and have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We see that Jesus Christ, he surrendered to the Father's will for a bunch of people who were following their own will. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him. All right, this is what we're doing. We're considering what Jesus did this morning. Consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You know what He's saying right here? He's saying, hey, we need to think about what Jesus went through. We need to consider what He endured. Otherwise, we're going to get weary and faint in our minds. Because you know, it's amazing what will cause the, the little things that will cause a Christian to quit. And why would we quit? Just because somebody made fun of us. Why would we quit just because we got a little bit of persecution? Do we not see what Jesus did for us? Hey, look at what He endured. He said, consider what He endured, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Because we think we're a victim because somebody called us a name. 
We think we're a victim because somebody mocked us a little bit. And he says, you have not even struck, or he said, you've not even resisted unto blood. Hey, you haven't even bled over any persecution you went through. Okay, I mean, now all of us, most of us in here, we probably had somebody mock us a little bit, make fun of us. You know, when I've been out, when I go out so many, I've, I've had doors slam in my face. I've had people mock me. I've even had people cuss me out on a couple occasions. But you know what? I'm not resisted unto blood. Nobody's ever physically laid hands on me. Nobody's ever actually hurt me. I haven't even bled for anything that I've done for Christ. And yet, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit because somebody called me a name. Because somebody gave me a hard time. Because somebody didn't appreciate what I did. Really? When I'm supposed to be following Jesus... When he's supposed to be the author and finisher of our faith, he endured the cross. I can't endure a little bit of persecution. I can't endure a little bit of hard times on this earth. I can't endure not being rich when he left heaven to come to this earth. There's something wrong with that. That's pretty. That's a pretty sorry attitude right there. We need to think about who he was compared to who he came to save. We're just people going after our own will, doing our own thing. And you know, a whole a holy God would be way more humiliated by sin than we would. It says in there in Hebrews, it says he despised the shame. Okay? And we've all been humiliated before. We've all done things that we were embarrassed by. I mean, we've all... How many ever fallen down in public? All right? You ever fallen down in public? Yeah, I, I, I've fallen down in public. That's embarrassing. I've fallen down in public before where it hurt, but what's the first thing I do? I don't check for broken bones. I check to see if anybody was watching. And you know what? That's the worst thing. All right? I don't mind falling down as long as nobody was watching. Okay? We can't even handle that. Some of us in here, if we just if we fell down, and I could tell some stories about embarrassing things that's happened in church. I remember watching the song leader at my dad's church one time. He come, he, we were doing the handshaking like we do, and he like comes back up on the platform and he just trips and falls. I mean, it, it literally looked like he bounced off of his face back up onto his feet. That's how fast he got up. That's how fast he got up. That's what it looked like. That's embarrassing. All right? <laughs> it was funny. Some of us, if we fell down this week, even if we didn't get hurt, we probably wouldn't come back next week because we'd be too humiliated. I watched. I saw a lady one time. Thankfully, hardly anybody saw this. There was only a couple people that saw this, and it literally was a miracle. She was in the choir. She came walking up the steps. You know, we did the handshake. She's walking back up the steps, and she stepped on her skirt, and it went down. And she caught it. And brought it back up real fast. It happened really fast. And you know what the first thing she said? I remember the first thing I heard her say. Did anybody see that? And I remember I immediately looked away and I just acted like I didn't see it. And I remember, and I'm looking out at the audience. I'm up on the front. I was a song leader. And I'm looking and nobody saw it. Because if people would have saw it, you'd have noticed. But you'd have seen their faces. They'd have been laughing. Nobody saw it. I think part of it, my sister was right behind her when it happened. And she was like, I don't think anybody saw it. And, and I, didn't, I didn't say anything. I just acted like I didn't see it. Later, I told my sister I saw it. She was like, you saw that? I was like, yeah, I saw it. That's embarrassing. You know what? Some of us, we quit going to church after something like that. Well, I got embarrassed. Well, well, congratulations. You know, nobody ever suspected you of being perfect. Nobody suspected you of being this person that never did anything wrong, that never messed up. But yet, here we have a God who is perfect. He's God. And He leaves heaven. And He is humiliated. The things that he went through was humiliating and we'll quit because we get a little bit of humiliation. That's ridiculous. But God, part of what I believe humiliated him 
it was not just the fact that he suffered a horrible death physically, but the fact, too, that he is suffering like the sinner. How would you like to be accused of something? You know, how would it feel if, you, if somebody accused you of being a pervert or something like that? You know, that would be, that would be tough. Imagine, you know, too, if you had to go to prison for it. You know, me as a pastor, if I was to get accused of being a pervert and our government did the right thing, if, you know, they ought to put perverts to death and I'm going, I'm being executed for being a pervert. And I'm not a pervert. That'd be humiliating. But at Jesus Christ, He died the death of a sinner when He had no sin. That would be way more humiliating for Him than it would be for any of us. Imagine seeing yourself on the news. And, they, and you see your name across there and it says convicted of murder. And you didn't do it. That would be, that'd be hard. That would be humiliating. I wouldn't like that at all. And so, but a holy God would be way more humiliated than we, did, than we would. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We see that Jesus Christ, though He, he did all this willingly. Let's, let's, let's start reading in verse uh, 4. Or verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we see that we're supposed to be like Jesus and we're supposed to be willing to humble ourselves. We're supposed to put the needs of other people before our own needs. And that is exactly why Jesus came to earth and why He did what He did. That's why He was humiliated the way He was humiliated because He wasn't thinking about Himself. He was thinking about us. He's like, I've got to do this for them. I'll go and I'll take the abuse. I'll take the beating. I'll take the shame. And you know what? I'll even carry that sin on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. You and I could never imagine what that would be like. We will never understand what it was like for Jesus Christ, a holy God, to feel our sin and to carry our sin. We'll never know what that was like. But the humiliation of it, it's more than we could ever imagine. It's more than we could ever comprehend. But He placed the needs of a people whose righteousnesses were as filthy rags above His own needs. And we can't do things for other people where they don't deserve it. Well, I'm glad Jesus didn't have that attitude. Really, you're not, you're, you don't want to help your brother and sister in Christ because they don't deserve it? Yeah, I'm glad Jesus was like that. You, know, you don't want to go out and try to win souls because they don't deserve to be saved? Where'd that attitude come from? Because that's nothing like Jesus Christ. That's not the attitude He had. He told us to be like Him. So having said all this, having attempted to understand the humiliation of Christ, I think it's important that we take a few minutes and compare the humiliation of Christ to the humiliation of a Christian. Okay? Because this, when we think about this, when you read this, I kind of get disgusted with people and myself. Because, you know, compare what Jesus left to Christians who think we're too good to go to certain parts of the world. 
You know, often we'll hear, and, you know, and, and I'm not you know, going to say anything. You know, I, I'm not going to tell people you're nothing. You know, I, but I do. I appreciate someone who will leave the United States to maybe go be a missionary in a third world country. I appreciate that. I, I'm thankful for people that do that. I'm glad. I don't feel like the Lord has called me to do that. But you know what? If the Lord did call you to go to a third world country, if the Lord calls you to go somewhere with no air conditioning, to a place with bugs and snakes and whatever, did you know that you are not taking a step down anywhere near the step down that Jesus Christ took? Do you know that doesn't even compare? And do you really think, too, and it's amazing how we'll do some of these things, we'll make these sacrifices, and we'll think, wow, I'm really doing something for the Lord. Do we really think Jesus gets impressed with that? Have you ever told somebody about, you know, there's, there's always those people that want to one-up you on everything. Oh, you know, I, I work hard. I work 16 hours. Now. I work 17. You know, they always outdid you on everything, you know. But listen, Jesus Christ really did. Okay? He left heaven to come to this earth. He lived in Israel during a very difficult time under Roman oppression. Okay? I don't think there's any place in the world we could go to right now that would be tougher than what Jesus did back in those days. You know, we've got a lot of technology and modern conveniences all over the world. Jesus Christ didn't have any of that. Yet, many Christians today, we feel like we're victims. Some of y'all, you, you feel like you're a victim because you give your tithes and your offerings and you got a, can't afford as nice of a car payment. You know, you had to switch to the, you know, 100 channel package and cable instead of the 200 channel. And you're thinking, man, I'm, t- I'm making great sacrifices for God. No, you're not. You know, look at how I'm humbling myself. I got to shop at Walmart now instead of, I don't even know the fancy places. I don't even, I don't even try to go to those places. I get all my clothes from Salvation Army or Goodwill or whatever. Wow, I- I'm sure Jesus is really impressed. Yeah, yeah, you're really being humbled because you're you. You know, and it, it, I, this is another thing that aggravates the snot out of me too with people. All right, a lot of people they'll say like, I, you know, I can't afford to give or I can't afford to do this because I have this, you know, big house payment. I have this big car payment. Well, you know, what? I could go get a big car payment if I wanted. I could go get over over my head on a mortgage if I wanted to. But it's like these people think, no, I deserve to live in the upper class neighborhood. I deserve to drive the BMW. Why? Tell me your name. You know, is that supposed to mean something? Oh, are are you related to God? Jesus was, He was God. And yet, He was willing to leave all that for other people. And you're not willing to sacrifice just a little bit of material for the cause of Christ to help bring, to help give people the gospel. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I'm telling you, folks, this is a pretty sad attitude. And anybody who thinks this way, they're not thinking about Jesus Christ. They're not studying the Bible and seeing how Jesus Christ humiliated himself. And there are, there are people today that they would be humiliated to be wearing clothes from Walmart. You know, that, I'm sorry, but you've got to be pretty impressed with yourself to feel that way. I'm not ashamed of that. I've got a suit in my office that I bought when I the, I, I... the one suit I wore at Wednesday. The suit I wore Wednesday, 
My parents bought that for me when I was 18. It still fits. I'm not ashamed of that. I was looking at it and I noticed that you can, you can kind of, the, some of the lining inside is kind of falling out. And you can, if you hold up the light, you can see through it. But when I'm wearing it, you can't tell. You can't tell there's anything wrong with it. You all don't look at the inside of the suit. It's what the outside that counts, right? You know, I don't care. I don't think I'm so special that I can't wear a suit jacket that's seven. I don't know how old I am. Almost 20 years old. Almost. Tw- I've had it for almost 20 years. I don't care. Hey, I'm proud of the fact it still fits. Amen. You know. Look on the bright side. I'm going to keep wearing it as long as I can or until it falls apart. But you know, a lot of people can't do that. Some women, I can't go to church today. I don't, I don't have a new outfit. I've already wore that one to church before. You know, who do you think you are? You know, not, nobody in here thinks you're Melania Trump. You know, we, we don't expect that. You know, nobody's going to write up what you wore in some magazine. Nobody cares. All right, we just care that you wear clothes. They cover your body. That's what we care about. But yeah, people think they're, they're humiliated if they do that. There are, there's teenagers. There's these spoiled, rotten teenagers that think they're victims because you know, they're not able to wear the name brand stuff. And their parents buy things secondhand. You know what? Get over yourself. It's amazing who, we think we're, who people think they are. Compare the treatment that Jesus left to Christians who can't handle the thought of a little persecution. So, you know, when you want to really, when you want to quit, maybe, you know, I won't be mad at you if you quit because you got crucified or beat with a whip or spit on all those things. All right. I still don't think you should, but I haven't been through that. So I won't say anything, but understand you still, you're not, you're never going to outdo what Jesus Christ did. But yet we think persecution is somebody didn't like my Facebook post. Somebody left a negative comment. About my message on YouTube. I'm going to quit. You know how many preachers I've seen, they put these things out there on YouTube and somebody leaves a negative comment and they take it down. I can't handle the persecution. I'm saying on Facebook, you just go and you disagree with some of these people on their post and they take it down. They just say, oh, I can't handle the firestorm that I came under of persecution because I tried to take a stand. You pansy. They didn't even touch you. All they did was called you a name. They did that to Jesus. And when they called Jesus a name, that's them calling God a name. When they called you a name, in many cases, it's true. Oh, they attacked your appearance? Well, yeah, you do look like that. You know, you are ugly. You know, you are stupid. You know, you are all these things you're being called. So, you know what? Yeah, it's still humiliating. You know, yeah, I'm bald. I, I get it. You know, I, I, I've been bald since I'm in my early 20s. But you know what? I've never claimed to be a model. All right. You know, I, I've, I've never made that claim. I, I didn't have to take a... I, there was no step down there. Yet we've got a bunch of victims sitting in church today and they want to quit and they want to give up because of some little thing like that. You know, some, somebody questioned them. Somebody dare. Hey, why do you dress like that? You know, why do you wear skirts? Oh my goodness. I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. I'm being humiliated for the cause of Christ. All they did was ask why. You couldn't handle that? You can't handle being a little bit different? You can't handle not fitting in with the world? 
You think you've got to act like Him. You've got to look like Him. You've got to do everything because you can't handle the humiliation. Somebody said something negative to you at school, whatever. You know what? Get over yourself. You're not God. And if He was able to leave heaven and go through the things that He did, we ought to be able to handle a little bit of persecution. Compare what Jesus endured to what we endured. Said in Hebrews, you've not even resisted in the blood. Okay? Hey, I'll feel sorry for you if you get beat up. Okay? I'll feel sorry. But you know that's still not a reason to quit. You still haven't gone through what Jesus went through. Compare how Jesus didn't defend Himself to us who try to justify our sin. Go back to Isaiah chapter 53. Let's look at verse 7. It says, He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before a shearer is dumb, so opened He not His mouth. When you take that sheep to the shearer or that lamb to the slaughter, they don't say anything. They don't talk. They don't put up a fight. They don't put up any defense. Jesus did not defend Himself. He's being accused of things. He's not defending Himself. He's not opening His mouth. He's like a lamb going to the slaughter. Yet what, what happens with us? Somebody says one little thing about us and we've got to go try to defend ourselves to the whole world. And I've seen people like this before. Somebody, somebody gossips about them in church. And you know what, folks? You shouldn't gossip. Gossiping's bad. Gossiping, gossiping is a sin. But you know what? If you're ever the victim of gossip, just get over it, please. It's, it's going to happen. People might say something about you. But it's like what they've got to do... Oh, I found out so-and-so, you know, spread a rumor that I get my clothes from Goodwill. You know, and then they got to go and they got to defend themselves. I got to go find everybody they talk to, make sure they know I didn't get my clothes from Goodwill. I got it from Marshall Fields. I think that's expensive. All right. I don't know. I, I don't know the expensive places. Uh, but Versace, I think that isn't that one. I don't know. I, I, I got to go convince somebody this. You know what? Don't even try to defend yourself. You know, how about you just get over it? How about you just not say anything? But yet many people will quit because of stuff like that. Don't don't try to justify yourself. Jesus did not defend himself who is innocent compared to us who what do we do? We try to justify our sin. Here Jesus went and he suffered for our sin, and yet we've got Christians today that are trying to make it look like the Bible doesn't mean what it says when it says what it does about sin. Here we go around justifying our sin. Justifying the fact that we're pathetic. Trying to defend ourselves. We can't handle it when a preacher gets up and he preaches hard against sin. We got, oh, he made me feel bad. He made me feel bad preaching on that. Why did he have to mention that? I now feel guilty. Well, you know what? He had no right to do that. And we go defending ourselves instead of being like Jesus Christ who when He's innocent, suffering for our sins, that we try to justify, He doesn't even open His mouth. Think about that, folks. Think about that for a minute. Yeah, it might be humiliating when the preacher gets up and he steps on your toes a little bit and he gets on your sin and everybody knows you've got that sin going on. Yeah, that might be a little humiliating, but understand, it doesn't even compare to what Jesus went through who is innocent compared to you who are guilty. We need to think about these things. Take that into consideration. Compare his innocence during his awful treatment compared to our guilt while getting a free pass. A free pass from the penalty of sin. Look what it says in verse 8. Boy, next time you want to feel like a victim, you need to read Isaiah chapter 53. I know we're Americans. I know this is the millennial generation of snowflakes that loves to feel like they're victims and feel sorry for themselves. But you need to read Isaiah 53. Look at verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. 
Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why did it please the Lord to bruise him? Because it's what gave us hope. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Not whosoever turns from their sins. Not whosoever does a, is a good person. Not whosoever just does the best works. No, just whosoever believeth in Him. Whoever believes in what Jesus Christ did versus what they do. It says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise them. He hath put Him to grief when thou shalt make His soul an offering for sin. He shall see His seed. He shall prolong His days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in His hand. How was that His soul being made an offering for sin? Well, Jesus Christ was a burnt offering for us. We see that when Jesus died, the Bible says, Thou shalt not leave My soul in hell. We know that Jesus died and He tasted of death for every man. What does that mean? Jesus actually died and for those three days was in hell. That's what the Bible teaches. His soul was made an offering for sin. Along with His body there, on the cross. And it pleased the Lord. This was for our benefit. He shall see the travail of his soul. Jesus Christ, by the act, says, you know, God loosed him from the pains of death. And that's why, and he resurrected from the dead. Thank God for that. He shall see the travail of his soul, and he shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many by his knowledge? By his knowledge. By what? By believing on him. Shall my righteous servant, talking about Jesus Christ, justify many? For he shall bear their iniquities. We see that he was going to justify us just by us believing on him. Just by the knowledge of him. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That's us, folks. Sin is a transgression of the law. We are sinners. We transgress God's law. Jesus Christ did all that for us. Why? So we could believe on Him and have salvation. So we could get a free pass from the penalty of sin. And it is a free pass. Salvation is a free gift. And we got that by believing on Him. So we think about that innocence that He had and that horrible treatment compared to us who, let's just be honest, a lot of our suffering that we do on earth is because of our own sin, isn't it? Yet when we suffer on earth because of our sin, what do we do? Lord, aren't you paying attention to me? Lord, why are you letting these things happen? Lord, why do bad things happen to good people? Instead of saying, Lord, why do good things happen to bad people? That is our attitude we have. Where does that come from, folks? That doesn't come from studying the Bible. That doesn't come from thinking about Christ. That doesn't come from studying the crucifixion of what He went through. That comes from us just forgetting about what He did and being self-centered. And this teaching of the humiliation of Christ, it will help put things in perspective. It will help us not be victims. And the truth is, these things don't compare. And we need to get over ourselves as Christians. And we need to be willing to humble ourselves 
and serve God the way the Bible teaches. And you are not, you, you are not capable of taking a step down. If you think you're taking a step down and doing anything for God, it's because you think way too highly of yourself. If you, and we can't even sacrifice anything. Everything we have, we have because God's given it to us. Everything we have, it belongs to Him anyway. We are not capable of any sacrifice that even compares to what Jesus Christ did. And we need to think about these things. The next time you want to feel like you're a victim, the next time you do, you feel bad, and you're like, you know, I don't like that message Pastor Tommy preached. That was hard. That made me feel bad about myself. I'm going to go to another church where everybody just you know, tells me good things about myself. Because I don't think we should have to suffer as a Christian. I don't think we ought to have to sacrifice. You know what? You need to get over yourself. You need to go read Isaiah chapter 53. You need to actually start thinking about Jesus Christ and you'll find out that nobody's asking too much of you. That nobody's at, you know, anything that God is asking is extremely reasonable and should be expected. And we ought to thank God every day. We ought to thank Christ every day for how He humbled Himself. Because of what He did, we have hope. Because of what He did, we've got a free pass. And I'm telling you, I know we're the generation of snowflakes. But you know what? It's time for us to get over it. And say, you know what? Forget that. You know what? We are more than conquerors in Christ. Hey, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And you know what? Even if I have to suffer, and even if I have to live a life of poverty, and even if I have to die, so be it. You know what? That, that'd be great. Hey, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? If we actually could lay down our life for Christ? Wouldn't that be the greatest love we could show them? I don't think we ought to be. I don't think we ought to be afraid of that. I don't think we ought to be ashamed of that. We shouldn't be ashamed of those things, and I hope you're not ashamed of being a Christian. So, with that, let's pray, dear Lord. We thank you so much for what you did for us, Lord. I pray that this message maybe helped put these things in perspective, Lord. I pray that folks will take these things and they'll. Go home and they'll meditate on. They'll just chew on these things a little bit. And I pray it will help them to just be thankful for where they're they're at and what you've done for them. We thank you so much for what you did and what it provided for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.